Good morning, everybody. Well, you're doing good. You see that my mouth has got something in it. It's because I've got a mint in it, try to clear my throat. So you'll have to excuse the, I probably look like a, a uh, squirrel with some nuts in it, but <laughs> I had to have it this morning because my voice is a little bit <clears throat> shallow. I wanted to talk a little bit uh, this morning uh, of what I uh, put on Facebook Live yesterday about the movements of the Spirit and how He, uh, the Spirit can actually free us of everything. Uh, most of us get tied up into thinking that we have to get free and God is wanting to free us. It's a, it's a fine line and when you start thinking, man, I've got to get free of this and as soon as you put I in there, you'll find yourself focusing on you instead of the Lord. And if you're not focusing on the Lord, the Lord can't free you. Most of us go around trying trying to set ourselves free by trying to focus on things that are spiritual that can maybe set us free. We'll either, and I'm not balking any type of ministry, it's the posture that the spirit of this world uh, puts us in. We will find ourselves going to you know a certain conference and expecting something to happen for us now that doesn't necessarily god will not do that but i'm i'm trying to maybe make a point here of how the world makes us go over here christ is over here christ is over there and christ is over here and the enemy of christ gets us looking for christ in different things looking for certain uh healing certain deliverances certain things that can heal us of issues and all of that's really good but if it, if the spirit of this world can get us in the focus of ourselves instead of the lord we will find ourselves going to these different places when christ is right here and when you can focus on uh, christ within your own life instead of instead of in instead, instead of in something else than your own life you'll find yourself actually encountering the Lord. But most of the time we're, we're trying to find Christ in everything and except ourselves. And uh, which is, it's rampant, especially in this Western world, you know, in, in the charismatic type settings, we're always, the enemy's got us running in every direction, trying to find how we can set ourselves free by being under this and being in this atmosphere and being in that atmosphere. And all of that sounds is commendable to anyone that's hungry. And I believe sometimes the Lord will, will honor that and still touch people while they're trying to find, find something to heal themselves. But he'll come and heal us and heal those people to really to get them turned so that they will just have their life back and really put their eyes on him. Because he's the truth, the way, and the life. And that is, whether we like it or not, that is the persona of all things to get free. You know, Jesus is our freedom. Uh, the person of God is our freedom for everything. And where he is, we shall be also. In other words, wherever we are, he is. And wherever he is, we are. And so when the enemy starts getting you focused on everything else other than the Lord, you will find yourself frustrated. And then we get into this, these formulas to try to set ourselves free. And, uh, and I mean that in a big way because I'm, I mean, I'm, in, I'm over 50 now 
and I have been through all types of mentalities of trying to set myself free or trying to get in certain atmospheres. And sometimes those atmospheres I've gotten in have actually worked, but the atmosphere got me into my mind, got my mind into the posture of focusing on Jesus. And the person that was ministering was talking about the Lord, which got me focusing on the Lord, which set me free. Think about that. A, a true minister of God will get your mind focusing on the Lord instead of ministry or instead of trying to set your, get yourself free. Uh, most of them, most ministers that are really following the Lord will wake up the Lord in you and then get out of the way. Uh, the spirit of God that you feel when it comes from someone that is a anointed person, when you start feeling this stir in you or you, you're, you're set free in your eyes or you start seeing things or you start, your heart starts thumping again with love that didn't come from necessarily that minister, the anointing on that minister awakened the love that was already in you, which destroyed everything that was keeping you down. But most of us are looking on the outside, the outside things to free us instead of the things that God has put in man that frees us. Does that make sense? That's why we've got to keep our mind focused on the Lord. If we put our minds on the Lord, the, the river of God that's been hidden in our caverns of the dark caverns of our, of our spirit will start to rise up and then burst forth and then we're completely free. But we, we are taught subconsciously that it's out there. It's out this way. So we're looking out instead of in. Does that make sense? And I want to give you a couple of scriptures that will, I'm going to put this aside, that will help us. And uh, I just want to call this the Spirit of God, the movements of the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Jesus the silent power that truly frees a heart. The silent power that truly frees a heart. If you'll notice when you or I get free, the Lord necessarily doesn't necessarily say, hey, it's me. He's in such humility that he will wake the power that he's put in you up and you won't even, you won't even see that he's around. You'll feel that he's around You'll know that he's around, but he's not wanting to get you to give him homage. He just, the Lord comes, you feel his power within, and then it breaks free. And then when it breaks free, that's when you want to give him homage. Because Jesus is still that servant of all servants. He still doesn't want you to give him homage. He wants you to wake up to what he has made you so that you won't stick around always giving him homage to try to set yourself free. He wants you depend independent with the spirit, just as he was. But that's the very spirit that makes us want to give him homage or wants us to worship him because he's setting you free for you to have a great life, for you to have a great life with the spirit of God, just as he did. And that's what makes us point our hearts and our heads toward Jesus because he still comes in such humility, such silence, and he still sets us free. Isn't that amazing? And uh, there's a scripture that I've read uh, a thousand times, but I want to read it again. It's in John 7, 37. It says, on the last day, 
last day that we're in this last day, the last day, that great day of the feast. In other words, that prophetically, the, the, that last day of that formulation type ritual stuff that was going on. We're in that last day where we're coming to the end of ritual religion. Let me say that again. We're coming to the end of ritual religion and a formulational religion, which has gotten us to Jesus, has gotten us to this place. So we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but we've got to be able to learn to, we've got to somehow let go of our familiarity and all those formulas and now start focusing on the Lord because he's allowed all these feasts and all these things that we've gone through to get us back to him. So he says on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me. In other words, if you're dry or you're bitter, or if, if you're in this place where you need something that will set you free, he said, says, let him come to me. Don't think about coming to anything else, but let him come to me. And there's a lot of people out there that have tried all kinds of other ministries have tried all kinds of different formulas, tried new age or tried Buddhism or tried, you know, uh, self-help steps and so forth. And we've gotten to the point where that helped us for a little bit, but then you still have you. And so he said, if anyone is in this predicament, if you're thirsty again, in other words, if you drink water, that water will, will allow you to not be thirsty for a season, but then later on, you're going to get thirsty again. In other words, it only works for a little while and then it wears off. And that's the way, that's what we've been in. It, he's saying anybody that's been drinking like this and you're thirsty again, let him come to me. And it says, and let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So in other words, when we get our hearts right with God, when we start looking at the Lord, living life will come out of us. We will no longer be the person that's searching here or there. We will no longer be that person having uh, anger issues from my father or anger or, or depression issues from my childhood or my lineage and all this stuff. What will happen is there'll be a transformation and there'll be living life that will start come up, coming out of you. And then you'll no longer have to worry about your lineage. You will be the lineage of God now, because when you take upon Jesus, you actually have a new lineage, which is in the bloodline of Jesus. The trickery of old things is to try to get you in the old bloodline to try to take care of things to bury so that you can be set free. But Jesus says, hey, let the dead bury the dead. Let that old stuff bury itself. You follow me. If you follow him, you're grafted into a new bloodline and your lineage it echoes nothing but the voices of God from the foundations of the earth. Man, that's a lot. But that is the Lord. I'm telling you, that's the way the Lord works. What drove people crazy, what drove the ministers crazy is that back then they had systematic ways of how to deliver people. They used exorcism or formulated ministry. And so when they, when Jesus came along, he'd just speak and the thing would come out. In other words, the, the thing that was actually 
bothering them. The, the voice that was actually speaking in their mind would actually stop speaking and come out because the voice of the Lord, that's the sound of many waters, would speak into the, those minds and that voice and that spirit would have to leave because the voice of the Lord is stronger than any voice that you can ever imagine. Any voice that's, that's stronger, that you think is strong in your life, that you've been hearing in your mind, as soon as you put your mind on the Lord and you hear his voice, I guarantee you when you hear his voice, the voice you've been listening to disappears without you having to rock and do all your so-called prayers that uh, have been commendable, but all of that can end and you start now following Jesus. Now I know this is very going to be very offensive to the mind and I hope it does. I hope it offends us in a great way so that we can get back to really focusing on the true man, Jesus Christ, the true God. All right. And it says, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. So anytime you listen to the Lord, the spirit of God is now imparted, is now awakened in us. And we start to then we start actually living a holy spiritual life instead of tormental spiritual life. A lot of our stuff that we're running to and fro with, if you really got real with yourself, it's fear. Oh man, I've got to get rid of this, and if I don't, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to the higher mountains with God. I'm not going to be able to send to the hill of the of the Lord. With, because I've got, you know, bloody hands and a bloody heart, you know, who will ascend the mountain of God? Who will ascend with those without, you know, clean hands and pure heart? That's what he made you. Now you can ascend to the mountain because he actually, with his blood, cleansed your hands and cleansed your heart. We can't cleanse our hands. We can't cleanse our heart. But through putting our mind on the Lord, it cleanses our hands and it cleanses our heart and we can ascend into that mountain. In other words, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. That's how easy it becomes because it, and the Lord says, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. The Pharisees couldn't stand that because he was making it too easy. And that's that Pharisee mindset in us. Well, you got to do this first in order to have this. Well, that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Where Satan, if you'll eat this, you'll be this way. You'll be like God. God knows, you know, all that trick. Well, that's that's the trick that we've been following for a long time. Systems. But that's about the end. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Let me uh, let me give you another scripture here, uh, and this is a long one, but uh, I think it'll help us. I think it will free us of our works consciences. You know, we have a conscience that's always wanting to work for God instead of believe God. Work for God instead of believe God. Or I could say work for God instead of just listen to God and obey. We want to work for him and then get our fruit. But he wants us just to believe in him and then get our fruit. If you don't believe or hear first from the Lord's voice, your, your soul will never find rest. 
And then you'll be working in the place of works and sweat instead of rest. In other words, life. And I've done both. I like working with him instead of working for him. Let's turn over to John 4. This is Jesus at the woman at the well. She has been coming to uh, Jacob's well for a long time. It's, let's look at this thing systematically. She's been coming to certain wells that the, the heritages of the forefathers, the generals of God have actually dug, and she's learned to draw from that. Now, the Lord's not doesn't say that that's wrong, but the Lord's about to actually change what, where she draws from and who she draws from. She's systematically learned where to go get the water and draw it out, and then she goes back home. But the problem with systematic drawing is that you will have to come back to that drawing and you will be thirsty again. So if you can see prophetically, this woman, which is a, uh, she's a good woman. She's learned how to do this stuff. She is now coming to this Jacob's well. She, God's about to actually interact with her in her system, which that is the beauty of Jesus. He's going to do the same thing with us. He's going to do the same thing with the church. He's going to do the same thing with ministries. He's doing the same thing in my ministry and what God has called me into. He's changing it. The things I'm used to doing, I cannot do anymore. The things I know will work, I can't do anymore. It's I have to put my mind on the Lord. That's what's happening here. Here, she, she comes to the well, she finds Jesus. He offends her, first of all, and then he starts this dialect or starts this relationship with her. And uh, Jesus in John 4, 13. Now remember, he starts this relationship with her. Let me say that again. He starts this relationship with her. She does, she's, the husband that she's with, uh, is she's not even married to. She's had several husbands. And Jesus knows this, but he wants a relationship. Haven't you been married, haven't we all been married to a lot of things which keep us going after systems, right? We've been married to a lot of things that really aren't gratifying. It only works for a season. We get married to that thing and then we divorce it. And then later on we marry something else. But Jesus is about to greet us and be with us where we are. And he's about to want to have a relationship with us. And as we're ha he's having a relationship with us, our minds get upon him and we start getting free of all these systems, all these things that we've been in relationship with. Oh, come on, guys. This is awesome. It's exciting to what, what I'm about to, what, what I've seen. I mean, it is going to be incredible. And so let's, in verse, let's get to verse 13. It says, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. See, he's trying to tell us that. He's not only trying to tell her that, but John the writer is trying to tell us because Jesus has talked to John. He's told him this story. He's told him what happened here. All right. Well, thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, that's a big one, that I will give him, will never thirst. In other words, 
this, this systematic way will end. You will not feel like you will not have the guilt of having to go draw water. Oh man, I've really got to pray. Man, I, this I've not been with the Lord, and I, I've got to be with Him. The reason I'm dry is because of. Well, no. Uh. Uh-uh. All you got to do is say, Lord, and He, He's there. Oh, come on. The way we have been doing it, great. But how'd you like to just sit down, and your system ends? And you just say, Lord, he says, yes. How are you doing today? We don't think our minds say that's not the way it works. That ought to tell you what type of system that you're in. The system that we're in breeds thirstiness. In other words, and if it breeds thirstiness, if it breeds to a place where it gets you in your in these systems of your, even your own system. It's making you thirsty. It's making you thirsty. Your repetition stuff that we know will work. It will give you a drink, but you'll thirst again. You'll have to do the repetition again. How would you like for that to end? That's where we're going. Even in 1 John 13, I mean, 1 Corinthians 13, toward the latter part of those scriptures, everything will be done away with because we will finally truly find God. Love will start to take over. But that doesn't mean all the ministry was bad. The focus will just not be all those ministry things. It won't be the repetition. All those things will flow together out of this place of love. And he says, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Springing up. So if the, if the water he gives you, that love and that power that you feel that springs up in you, that's that fountain that was hidden in you. It wasn't coming from out here. He gives, he gives you, a, he, he allows you to encounter him just so that he, it will kickstart this spring of water that's been hidden in you. And when it springs up, guess what it hits? It hits the strongholds of your mind and it will start washing all those kingdoms and all those thrones that have been enthroned in your mind, those strongholds, and it washes it away. We're going to watch this because it happens to this woman. He's having a relationship with this woman. The woman is starting to forget herself and her systems, and she starts asking him all these questions, but now she's focusing on Jesus, the true system, if there is one. It said, it was water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come, nor come here to draw. In other words, if you will give me this, all of this will stop. And I'm sick and tired of bringing, taking this pot down here and putting it on my head, putting it on my head and carrying it back. She's saying, please give me this water, not only so that I will not thirst again. She says, I don't want to come here again. I, I'm tired of trying to draw out things. Let's read it again. Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. 
man, they'll tell you what, there's going to be some major deliverance because a lot of us, including me, are used to habitual things that draw God. But what have we really been drawing? It's only the type of water. It's how we've been doing it has made us thirsty. It's not the water. It's how we've been doing it. And God still meets us, but he's still meeting you to try to get you up from doing your system to realizing you can have this anytime you want. If you call on his name, he'll answer. But we truly don't believe that. We think that something's got to occur, an event in our minds or something we do to make God speak. That's the way it works. Wrong. That's Old Testament. That's religious things that have passed away, that have caused us, that has brought us into the face of the Lord. But now all of that's passing because now Jesus is the medium. He's the mediator, not us. He gave us this spirit now that awakens. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also quicken us, our, even our mortal bodies. But if we're looking out there, instead of what he's given us in here, we will grow old and bitter. We'll have this wonderful water here and we'll draw it through systems. Haven't you prayed and you feel like, man, when you pray, your subconscious is thinking he's going to come from out here. He doesn't. He comes from in here. And through God's grace and mercy, he sees you in that system. And so he'll come and sit on your well and now make it draw out and have this grace and mercy on you because he knows that the mind has put you in the system. But your well for Jesus has been there the whole time. And so he will make, he will make your well draw, come out, come up. And you will feel this love and you'll think it's your system that drawn it. No, it's the Lord that made your, your, your waters come forth. And now he's trying to show us that, hey, this comes by me. If you would just put your mind on me, this well will always be springing up. You don't have, no longer have to go through the system. Because if you're back in the system, you're in the old way. You're in that religious spirit way. All right, he says, Sir, give me this water that I may not, not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And look, I love this. And the woman gets real. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And, you, and that you spoke truly. Now, notice that he doesn't say, hey, you're in sin. Man, you better get rid of this thing and move out of him and move out of that house. I'm going to tell you what, you're going to hell. He just has a relationship with her because she has met her real husband. She's been finding, trying to find she, uh, water at the well, but she's trying to find life with other different men. When the well has been right there. Their true husband is Jesus. But he notice he's not dealing with her stronghold. 
He's having a relationship with her, which is the very thing that actually delivers us of strongholds. And of course, she perceives he's a prophet, blah, blah, blah. And she gets open. She can't believe what's going on. And in verse uh, 23, it says, But the hour is coming, and now is, now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. He's not a system. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know that that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who who speak to you am he. So out of this relationship of her, instead of talking to, instead of having a relationship with her system, with the well and the drawing of water, now she's speaking to God face to face. And she's being transformed. And out of this relationship, she allow, it allows her to see Jesus for who he is. Jesus actually shows her who he is, which changes her. And she drops her pot. Look at here in verse 28. It says, in other words, she drops the routine. And the woman says, then the woman, in verse 28, then the woman uh then left her water pot, what she's familiar with, what she's been hanging on her head, what has been controlling her every day. She left her water pot, dropped it on the ground, and went her way into the city. That's the thing that we're talking about. Jesus wants you to have a wonderful, free life. And when you get, when you get free then you're totally addicted to him. Because she goes into the city, not to say I'm just free, she goes into the city to tell people about this man because her mind is now on him. And she dropped her old mind back at the old well. And now the well himself, which is Christ, is now in her mind. She's got a new water pot that will never run dry. So it went, went her way to the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And she's so excited. And then it says, then they went out of the city and came to him. They saw such transformation on this woman that it made them want to have him themselves. See, one of us is going to transform into his likeness again. And see that the the old things are about to pass. We can put those down and we can just listen to the voice of God in us instead of listen to these systems and say, well, I've got to do this. I got to do that in order to get free. And I got to have, I've got to go over here. Christ is over here. Christ is over there. But he says, if they say I'm over here and over there, don't go. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Don't listen to that stuff. That's not talking about people just on the outside telling you. That's these people on the inside, these voices on the inside, the system. Don't do that. I'm in your world. I came to your world because I loved you. Remember John uh, 3.16, God so loved the world 
that he gave us. In other words, you could say that again in other words. God so loved your world. Right? God so loved the world that he gave us. In other words, Jesus came and loved you. Loved you while you are in your world and came and consumed it. So that his world could be yours and your world could be his. You become one. And that's what has happened to this person. All these things, when Jesus starts to manifest in your mind and your mind is focused on him, the spirit of God so moves that you don't even realize you've been free. The system has to tell you you have to actually know what you got free of. Whoever said that? Did God? Did God tell someone, hey, you got to figure out what you got, got, and then I can free you? No. Once you figure out Jesus, put your mind on Jesus, and then you're free. Things start coming out. Look at this part. Uh, Mark 1. I love this about the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God wants to be our deliverer without us having to know. How many of you guys know your flaws way too well and you're in such relationship with them you can't get out of them? They're like nets in your mind and you're trying your best. If you think, thinking you can, thinking you, you focusing on them is actually going to get you free. It's time to not know yourself very well and know Jesus very well. And if you know Jesus very well, he'll come in to know you very well, which will set you free. And the only thing you're left with is knowing the Lord, not yourself. Then when you look at yourself, you'll see the Lord. <laughs> That's why he says it in, you know, in the Bible, in Corinthians, it says he's our mirror. He's trying to show, show us who we really are. Just get out of that mind that we've been in. All right, Mark 1, verse 23 uh, says, Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. There was an unclean spirit. Say that with me. There was an unclean spirit. It, this man had an unclean spirit in him, and it was controlling his mind. That spirit, that voice was talking to him constantly. And I'm sure there were several times that he wanted to be free, but the enemy, that spirit, would always talk himself out of that freedom. And I want you to look at this very closely. And he cried out. Jesus walks in into this temple. Now he's walking into a physical temple, but if you can see this prophetically, he's walking into this man's temple. There is the temple of this unclean spirit and, and Jesus's temple and the spirit that's on Jesus and within Jesus is now coming in and clashing with that in that temple. And it's starting to cause the spirit that's been talking to this, this man now to uh, come into submission and look at what it says. The first thing it says, leave us alone. In other words, stop talking stop. Be quiet, Jesus. But Jesus is not talking verbally, but the spirit that is in Jesus is talking already to this spirit and nobody can hear it. And the spirit is saying, leave us alone. Let us alone. In other words, there's already a, in this convergence happening and the spirit is just reviling 
And the voice that's been tormenting this guy comes, it comes out and says, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus? Jesus, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's, the, that, that's that voice inside of this man that is speaking to the spirit that is within Jesus. It's not only seeing the carpenter, but it's seeing the living God, okay? It says, but Jesus rebuked him, saying, what did he say? Be quiet. That's the first thing he said. See, the first encounter that you have when you come to that place of putting your mind on Jesus, the voices that have been talking to you, that have been tormenting you, get quiet. And then everything leaves. It says, come out of him. Once Jesus comes into your this thing that is into your temple, that has been speaking to you, that has kept you unclean, that has kept us in this place of thirstiness and dry. He's, this man is in the system. He's, he's not only in the system of a mind, but he's in the temple. He's learned to come there and try to get free, and he's trying, and he's trying his best, but this, this voice, this unclean spirit, has got him in this, this system. And Jesus meets him in this in the system. In the system, not only in the physical system, you know, I've got to go to the high priest to get free. I got to do this. I got to come bring a dove. I got to, all this stuff that we've even learned prophetically. <clears throat> Jesus is clashing in there. And it's now this system is having to be quiet. The spirit that's been leading this man in the system of what man has built is now having to be quiet. And he says, Be quiet and come out. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Of course he's going to come out of him. This stuff is really going to twist us up when Jesus starts coming. It convulsed him. Then they were all amazed. Now watch this. Then they were all amazed. There were, there were professionals in there of exorcism, you know, religiosity. And it says, then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? In other words, it's not going according to our system. What new doctrine is this? In other words, man, we got to figure out what kind of system he uses. What new doctrine is this? You can't have it. There is no system. That's going to drive our minds crazy in a good way. For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits. In other words, he's not using exorcism. He's not using certain prayers and certain things to get this spirit out. That's what they're saying. They're saying with authority, not with a system, not, what, not the way we've done it. He says with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. They're thinking, man, they could be, this could be easy. I mean, we got to figure out how he's doing this stuff. Because even they're tired. Aren't you tired of doing it the systematic way? Man, I have. I'm tired of it. Aren't you tired of doing it your way? My way? I mean, who cares? Do it Jesus' way. Listen to him. 
Let them command the voices that have been talking to you. Hey, well, I'm going to focus on the Lord. And man, I guarantee you, try focusing on the Lord. Just put your mind on the Lord and, and tell me how many voices speak to you, especially when you go into prayer. Instead of going into prayer, I'm, not, I'm using this as an example. I'm not saying that you do, anybody does it. I'm just using an example. Some of us go into prayer and we have these certain things that we do, turn on certain, you know, try sitting and just be quiet. Put your mind on the Lord. I guarantee you, you're going to hear a lot of voices speaking that are not the Lord. Because your mind is starting to be put on Him. And you'll find out what's really been tormenting your temple. What's really been in this temple. Okay, when it says, For with authority He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey Him. And immediately, his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Man, they're thinking, I mean, people are thinking, man, we don't have to pay for this stuff. You don't even have to go and pay for this stuff. You don't have to go give something to get something. Man, all you got to do is just come to Jesus. He destroyed everything that the spirit of the world just set up just by being him. And then people ran to him. He was like a strong tower and everyone ran to him. And anyone that would run to him got free. And one of the things that the, that's going to be hard for us is to let things go. Because we're so familiar with our things that we're used to, we're so thinking that it's it's really godly to focus on your stuff. You can't focus on your stuff without the Lord. And if the Lord's not saying anything about it, then you might want to keep walking with it. And uh, letting go is going to be tough. But we've got to let the dead bury the dead. And let me let me give you something here. Uh, Luke 9, 50, verse 57. Luke 9, verse 57 says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That means he doesn't put his mind on earthly things. That's it. He's not looking for some systematic thing to lay his head in. Birds of the air have nests. In other words, they, they have systematic ways of setting a nest aside and, the, and then they lay in that. And then the, the you know foxes have holes. They'll burrow in and they'll make a certain place and then they'll rest in that. But Jesus doesn't do that. That's not the way he lives. That's what he was saying. If you want to make a place for Jesus to lay his head, just follow Jesus. Because he doesn't make places. He is the place. He is the place. All right? He is our nest. And the way God lived back then, he doesn't live by trying to make something to where he can rest. He is the rest. There are no systematic things here. That's what he's saying. Boxes have holes. 
Birds have the air, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I, the foxes do this, the birds do this, but I am the head. Why would you have to have try to figure out how to systematically put something that is the head? He is rest. And that's what this guy's saying. And he says, then he's and then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now the father, it's not necessarily the father was dead. He's wanting to spend the last days with his father. He's, in other words, he's trying to spend the rest of the days with his dad. That's what he was meaning. He, has, he wasn't dead, but he was, he's trying to say, let me go spend the rest of my days with that which I'm comforted with and, and let, me, let me allow it to die and then I will bury it and then I'll follow you. Let me go bury everything that has fathered me first. You got a lot of stuff that fathered you, but that stuff that fathered you brought you to here. But if you go back, you're like everyone else. He said, let the dead bury the dead. All of that type of stuff is dead. In other words, the way you've lived, if I say follow me, the way you familiarly live dies. If you'll follow me, that dead stuff will bury itself. In other words, I will let you live in those familiar comfort zones because really what really takes us back is things that we're comfortable with, even bad stuff. We're so comfortable in dealing with it the way we think we should deal with it. That brings us comfort. And then when we deal with it, we feel good for a little bit, but then all of a sudden it pops back up. He's saying, hey, just follow me and let that dead stuff bury itself. It will bury itself if you will just follow me. All that stuff that's fathered you, that you're familiar with, that you want to go back and, 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 and find comfort in and then bury it, then follow me, uh, that will kill you now. I'm asking you to follow me. So let the dead bury the dead, you follow me. That's what's happening. And Jesus said to him in verse 60, let the dead bury their own dead. Let the dead, that which proves that the father was not dead yet. Let the dead bury their own dead. In other words, this guy's got a little bit of attachments here, maybe fear of man and all that stuff of his past, you know, the things that he's comforted with. But he's saying, hey, let the dead bury them. All that stuff would die. In other words, eventually that your father will understand and all the stuff he's familiar with of controlling you, the, the way he's trained you, all of that will die. By you following me, even your father will be set free if you'll follow me. All your heritage will be set free if you'll just follow me. If you won't go back to your bloodline and try to bury all that stuff and just follow me, all of that will die, will bury itself. And by you following me, it will free your bloodline. Because that are, those that are in the system back there will actually have to get free themselves and look upon me. He said, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead, but you, but you go, go and preach the kingdom of God. In other words, from here on, just go and walk in the spirit. 
and speak of those things of the Spirit. Because the kingdom of God is spirit. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. So preaching the kingdom of God is not necessarily just this way. Your life preaches the kingdom of God. The way you live resounds more of the voice of God than anything. That's why the unclean spirit could hear the sounds of God, and he hasn't even spoken yet when, you, when he stepped into the uh, temple in Capernaum. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Let me go bid them farewell. Let me go handle this. In other words, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but let me do what I want to do first and then and handle all this stuff, and then I'll follow you. In other words, I'll follow you as long as I can do what I want to do, but that takes you back. And if that takes you back, then you miss your visitation, right? In other words, I want to go... I want to go back and deal with my former life, life that had a hold on me. That's what's happening here, you know, prophetically. He said, but let me first go and bid farewell who are at my house. Let me go bid farewell of all my former life that's had a hold on me. And the Lord says, no, this is the way it works now. And he says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. In other words, you can't have it. It's what he's saying. No one having put his hand to the plow, Jesus being the plow now, he's handing him a new plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, you will never be able to experience righteousness, peace, and joy in your life if you're constantly going back and trying to deal with that stuff. Because once you have put your hands to the plow and you follow him, righteousness, peace, and joy destroy everything that you've ever thought that you've got to go and fit, bid farewell to. It burns it up. You burn it up by following the Lord. Elisha did this. And the spirit is strong enough. The spirit's much more stronger than your ministry to yourself or the things that you feel like you've got to deal with. The spirit's more stronger than you. Even Jesus couldn't cast out demons without the spirit of God. So he had to lean on the spirit instead of himself. So even Jesus couldn't cast out spirits by himself. He had to lean on the spirit. So why are we trying to deal, deal with stuff with ourselves? And if you're trying to deal with it with yourself, you're definitely not into the spirit of God. You're still into self. I hope this helps. And I, I'm going to tell you this one thing, Elijah, you want to read it, but Elisha has to make a decision. And the, and the garment of Elijah, you know, sweeps a crossing. It says Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. In other words, he feels this new thing come upon him. And he, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, he's running after him, right? Don't you guys sometimes, man, when you feel God, you start to run. And then all of a sudden he says, please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I'll follow you. Don't you have these experiences with God and man, you're going after. And then all of a sudden you go, well, I really need to 
deal with this. And I love Elijah. He says, and he said to him, go back again. But what have I done to you? In other words, you don't get it. Uh, this is the freedom of God. You can actually leave everything and be free. So he's telling basically like the Lord in the, in the scriptures that we read before, hey, let me go and deal with this stuff. And he's going, uh, that's not the way it works. Now, even back then, they get, even Elisha gets this and it says, so Elisha, Elisha turned back from him and he just right there, he just took the yoke of oxen all the stuff that's been yoking him, all the big, all the oxen, he had 12 yokes of oxen, had 24, he was plowing a field with 24 oxen, guys. In other words, he had some big stuff going on. He was, he was bringing forth fruit, man, with his ministry or his stuff, and man, he had some gifting, he had strength to be able to plow the field with all the 12 oxen, and he left all of his strength. He left all of his stuff that he had been plowing all the fruit and he burned it up. He took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate, those that were there. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Isn't that crazy? He knew if he didn't leave it then, he was gonna go, if he didn't burn it up and let it go, he would later down the road, he'd probably want to turn back because it was still there. So he burned it up. What does that mean? It means that when you start following Jesus, you leave it all behind. Jesus burns it all up. All the yokes, all the stuff that has kept you down, even the way you've brought forth fruit, it all, all that stuff disappears. And you start bringing forth fruit in the place of rest because your mind is on the Lord. And there's the last one. Then in Matthew 16, 24 through 25, then Jesus said to the disciples, 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 the guys that are still following, he's, he's not just talking to the multitude, he, he is tuning in on their minds because they're still thinking about themselves. what they need to do, what needs to be going on. He said, he's, he's tuning in on what's happening. And besides, Jesus knows how this stuff worked because he had to do it first. Man, what kind of great ministry he could have had if he just could have just focused on himself and built him a great, huge ministry. But he didn't. And when he didn't, he had a huge one, a real one. And it says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. All those things that has made you up, all those things that you feel like you do, need to deal with, deny himself. Deny that mentality. Take up his cross and follow me. It's crazy. It is crazy. But I guarantee you, if you start following Jesus again, in his ways, instead of our ways, our smart ways, our systematic ways. It worked last time. I'm sure it'll work again. All those stuff, that only keeps you coming back. Can you imagine having a generation that is possessed by the spirit and love of God because our mind is back on him?
And anyone that puts their mind on him, out of their bellies will flow, or out of their hearts will flow rivers of living water. You'll be alive again. The only thing we have to do is get our minds back on him. Because our, our minds have either been on ourselves or what we've got to do next and how we've got to do it. And the only thing you have to do is just, Lord, what do you say? What are you doing? Man, I've had, I've had some crazy things happen. And I think it's a systematic miracle. You know, I've had people, you know, uh, hear the Lord and say, Man, I, just want to, I just want healing, Lord. I just want to, I want to get out of this slump. And, and Lord, what are you saying? And, and you're expecting him to pinpoint a stronghold. You know, you would have expected him to pinpoint that stronghold of that, of that woman being with five husbands and the husband that she's with is not hers. But he, he, he says his will upon her life and she hears it and she gets free and doesn't even remember all the relationships that she's in, that she was in or in. Doesn't even remember it. I've done that so many times. I've been in dire depression a long time ago. I was just sitting in my lazy boy chair of all things and I was down and I was, and I was thinking, and I subconsciously said, Lord, what are you saying? And I'm thinking he's going to say something about my depression. And he said, I'm going to the grocery store. And my systematic mind got offended. I'm thinking, man, I was expecting you to say something about my depression. But the Lord doesn't think about himself. He doesn't think that way. He's on the will of the Father. It keeps him in this place of freedom. He doesn't go into that man stuff. So I just I got offended, got up, went to the grocery store, and before I even got to the grocery store, the fountain of God is now in me. I'm not depressed. And did I minister at the grocery store? Yeah, but that didn't want that didn't what he that didn't what he was doing. He was just getting me to follow him, which set me free. And I was sitting there in my lazy board chair expecting God to pinpoint my problems. The only thing he pinpoints is his will. And then if you follow his will, you get free. All right. Love you guys. I hope this helps. There's a lot in it. And it offends the mind. And I hope it does. It's time to just come out and say it. It's time to follow the Lord. It's time to follow love. Ask love what he says about your life. He won't answer you like you do. And Lord, I just pray right now that we would get back to following your spirit instead of following our ways. And I pray, Lord, that this year, love would start just overtaking everyone. They would start hearing the voice of the Lord again instead of their old voice, instead of systematic stuff, self-help stuff. Lord, we got to focus on you. And I ask that you would help us repent back to you, to start listening to you in every type of dire place that we get in. Let us say, what are you saying? Because I can't do anything without you. I ask that, Lord, for everybody. All right. Grace, grace, guys. Uh, thank you for everything that you're doing for us and loving us and praying for us. Spread the word about God's stories. 
get them on this stuff. Uh, like I said yesterday on the uh, Facebook Live, I'm, I've got a guy working on our po podcast. We're going to try to put some stuff on there that are that the public can actually listen to. Uh, I know these are subscribed, and uh, for those that are really hungry, that really want to dig down deep and and go after the Lord. But uh, there are some that we've got that we want to put out there as well for those to that were that are hungry for the Lord. And a lot of people listen to podcasts, and we've had a lot of people ask if we can do a podcast. Uh, they all, we've got a lot of old ones on our podcast, but we need more. And so uh, I believe the Lord wants to you know give fresh bread uh, to a lot of people. And so uh, be praying about that, that all that goes well. There's a lot of involved trying to change all this stuff, which I have the mentality not. I don't have that type of mentality to do so, but uh, we've got someone that does. And uh, just keep praying for us. You know, we're moving to Shreveport and Pray that our house will sell. We're the last ones going. I'm moving my mother uh, this Friday, driving to Shreveport and moving her in her house. And we're the last ones. We're the caboose. So be praying that we sell our house and we get the money that we need for our house uh, to buy another one. So uh, love you and uh, thank you. Thank you for the grace that you give us and the love that you give us. And uh, we love you guys as well. Uh, a lot of you write in and uh, speak with us, ask questions, and I, I appreciate it. We try to answer everybody's uh, questions. Susan's not at her desk right now to answer questions if you've written in because she's with mom closing on her house. So uh, if you have asked questions, uh, you can write us on Facebook or Messenger or email us, and we'll try to answer them next time. All right? All right. Love you guys. Grace, grace.